Let's run down what we're getting into today. First and foremost, some big news from your Detroit Tigers. And we're going to have a guest on with us in a little bit here. Trevor Huth from the Bless You Boys SB Nation writer. He is all over the Detroit Tigers. He's going to kind of break down exactly what's going on in that organization. Some of the things they could have done better. Some of the things that they did right. And so we're going to get into that with him. Also, your Detroit Lions. They are playing their first preseason game of the year right now. Going pretty well. Lions drove down the field, scored. And then Falcons drove down the field, scored. You know, preseason. It's take it for what it's worth. Because there is still a lot more football to be had. As we mentioned, Trevor Huth on with us from the Bless You Boys blog on SB Nation. Trevor, how's it going? I'm doing great. How are you? We're good. Thank you for joining us. Appreciate you taking some time to get into some Tigers baseball. Trevor, you there? Yeah. Oh, good. I can hear you. Yeah, absolutely. Tigers baseball. So what is your opinion of what happened with Alavila? Too soon, too late, or just right on time? You know, that's a tough question. I think that overall... Excuse the noise behind me. I'm out at the, the preseason game you were just talking about, actually. Nice. But, uh, uh, <laughs> but uh, the timing was, uh, I think, a little too late for when it happened because you let him oversee the trade deadline. If you wanted to cut a GM midseason, then you, you, it's weird, I think, to have them oversee the trade deadline because, you know, that's a pretty major event to have and then fire a GM a week later. So. I think if you're going to do it mid-season, they did it a little bit late. Overall, I expected it to be more of a conversation in the off-season. So it's something that had to happen. It's been a very uh, long road, and some bad luck really hurt uh, Alavila's. You know, some of the signings he made not working out. So um, to answer your question, I think I would have waited until the end of the season. But doing it mid-season right after the trade deadline seemed a little peculiar to me. And I agree with you, and that's what I was going to ask you next, but I'm glad that you brought it up on your own. A very weird time to let him go because, like you mentioned, he was able to handle the trade deadline. He was also able to handle some draft picks. And, you know, coming into that situation, if you knew that this was the path we were on, Chris Illich, my question would have been what took so long. And what did he do with the draft, though, that you think – do you think those players he was able to get are going to be able to still pan out for this team? I do. Um, I think the draft was handled in a very interesting way. They took all college players, uh, and they were, they were bat-heavy to start and then uh, pitching-heavy in the middle, and they got some interesting pitchers. Now, if you look at some of the trends of some of the arms they've been getting, they like guys who have uh, at least one pitch that have high spin rates and, and good data like that, and they've been able to use that. That's uh, how Bo Brisky happened this year coming out of what seemed like nowhere. Alex Fajardo's cut from that cloth, too, so I think the pitching development – shows that they can wait and, and uh, find guys in those mid-rounds and develop them. And now it's a question of what are they going to do with the hitters? There are certain patterns that I think are appearing with the hitters in terms of a swing type. So I think that they still can work with that as long as the development t- uh, team stays in place. The GM is gone. There might, there's going to be a new GM. They may want their new, uh, new development guys. But if it's the current development team that's been in place, I think they know what they want to do with this class of, of draftees. 
Well, that's good that at least the people that were underneath Alavila are still, as you said, right now, obviously in place. And we're going to see if they stay in place once there is a new GM. But I do want to ask a quick question about just when Chris Illich was in that press conference, was it something that maybe I was just picking up on or did you notice it too? He just seemed to be very unaware of what's happening within that organization. And I understand Obviously, a lot going on on that man's plate. But to be there and to be in that space at a very pivotal time in the program's season and to just sort of have a lack of, I guess, understanding about when he re-signed him, Alavila, I'm talking about one, and also sort of just deflecting in the sense, well, I didn't, I didn't, you know, trade those players. Our GM did. And almost to sound like, well, if it's not, it's not my fault, it's his fault. And almost... As a fan, looking at that, it, it's almost in the lines of, well, if he did something that we didn't really agree with, Chris, why didn't we make moves sooner? Yeah, that, that, that was a very interesting uh, press conference. I mean, it's almost like he wants to appear as hands-off with the team as, as possible. Um, and whether that be good or bad from your owner, I think that's what he was trying to push. And, you know, it's it's – like you said, he had a lot going on, but if you go on Twitter, you go on uh, any social media, you'll see the headline of, of earlier in the season when Chris Illich said the rebuild is over. Mm-hmm. And I think that this, there's just been, you know, from Chris Illich, uh, some good decisions. I think there's been the media missteps, some bad decisions. Just It's kind of been uh, all, you know, he's run the whole gamut of things you can do. So I think this was just another uh, media misstep maybe where he, where he maybe didn't get the point across that he wanted to in the correct way because uh, he did appear more hands-off and I think maybe he would have wanted to. Yeah, I, I can understand that for sure. One last thing before we let you get back to the Lions because they are driving the field here with two minutes to go in the second quarter heading into halftime so I know it's a very pivotal time to go watch the first two-minute drill of this <laughs> new team so I'm going to let you get to that. Is A.J. Hinch the man for the job? Uh, do you mean the GM job or just the, as a manager? As a manager. Is he, is he the guy that is, as a manager, going to be able to help take this team to that next level we're looking for? You know, I think he is. The guys really seem to like playing for him. Uh, when you see things in the media, it seems like they, they understand uh, the direction that he's going. I think that this year has been an extremely tough year of, just a lot of uncertainty all around, and that's made it hard for the guys to perform. But um, I, I do think that he's the guy for the job. I think that as this uh, – it's a one-step-at-a-time thing because the development team that I was talking about earlier, they're getting their hands on these guys in the minors now to have to buy into what the Tiger system is. And I think A.J. Hinch will be great once what the new Tiger system is is more in place than it, uh, than it is right now. So I do think Hinch is the guy for the job, and um, I, I think that it's just going to take – a little bit of time to get that new culture uh, all wrapped up in what they want to do and the, and the direction that the Tigers want to go. Trevor, a pleasure having you on. Thank you very much for joining us. That's Trevor Huth from the Bless You Boys SB Nation blog. Great insight and a lot of what we were definitely looking for to sort of explain in layman's terms what we can expect moving forward. 800-859-0957 is the phone number. I know, Greg, you're on the line. We're going to get you after the break, though, buddy. You're going to have to hang on for us. It's Sports Wrap on 760 WJR. Now back to more Sports Wrap 
Once again, Matt Lorenek. The Friday edition of Sports Wrap. Thank you for ending your week with us. 800-859-0957 is the phone number. He's been as patient as can be. We're going to get him on the line right now. Greg, Mr. Positive, how are you? Hey, good evening, Matt and Blake. Uh, Real quick, you were very insightful with uh, 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 Mr. Illich. Um, I'm having a brain fart. His first name, Chris. Mm -hmm. Um, You were spot on about that. His hands off. Now we know what's really happening behind the scenes. It's like, uh, yeah, do whatever you want, uh, Al. We'll just, uh, you know, whatever you want, whatever you want. I don't have any idea about baseball, but we're going to let Al do whatever he wants. But more importantly, when it comes to the Detroit teams, I've been really thinking about this. Um, We do not have a mega uh, major star in any of the Detroit teams. Let's say, for instance, Tom Brady, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, or Mike Trout in baseball, or whomever you can think of. And I'm optimistic, but because we don't have those types of individuals that are the centerpiece of our team, I just don't think we're going to go far. If you can, Matt, name a team without a major uh, superstar, a megastar, that has went far into the finals or the conferences or what have you, the titles and all that stuff. I can't think of anybody. You got Brady, he's going. You got uh, Stafford with an all-star lineup behind him, Aaron Donald. I mean, it goes on and on and on. Am I wrong with this assessment, or, or is your perspicacity going to refute, and, uh, uh, refute my polemic and uh, going forward with this? And real quick, I gotta ask you: Do you know if Blaine and you saw the Elvis movie yet? Uh, I believe he did, and excellent. Thank he, you. you can probably reach out to him, and he'll tell you all about it. Mr. Positive, excellent. as always, a pleasure. I will get into all of your points. Uh, first and foremost, I think to go off of what we were talking about in regards to Chris Illich and his either insightfulness, lack thereof. Clearly, I think we know where his focus is or was, which is going to be the Red Wings. Now, I think we've kind of maybe always felt it, at least I have, that the Red Wings at first were really just the Illich's baby in general. That was kind of, you know, it seemed to be more investment towards that. Now, after they got their, I guess you could say, prominence from winning in 97, in 98, 2002, 2008, obviously by then things had moved along and they were now more focused on putting money towards the Tigers where they did make some big blockbuster moves. But as we had talked about with Trevor Huth, a lot of those trades where we let those players go, you know, Chris Illich kind of looking back says, Oh, you know, I didn't do that. That was Al. That was Al's job. So I would say that I like Chris Illich's approach if it's the right guy in the position. Now, personally, I don't see Chris Illich going to Steve Eiserman in any capacity and saying, hey, you know what? I don't think that was the right move. You're just not going to do it. There's no way. Alavila, he probably could have been a little more hands-on and at least a little more hands-on to the point of just asking questions. I don't mean hands-on in the sense of I need to understand 
the nuances of why you're doing what you're doing or who you're picking because you're trying to make these kind of moves happen that you happen to see into the future with. But he definitely was in the situation of, you know what? I want to let my guys do what we brought them in here to do. And I like that idea. If it's the right person. And it just wasn't the right person with Alavila. And now whoever will it be beyond that? I can't tell you because we don't know yet. And they've said, we heard it a few times, Chris Illich saying, it's going to be a long process. It's going to take all of the resources of that organization. Now, as for our teams and their youth and the lack of a superstar, I'm okay with that. And I'm okay with that because that's really what this city had built its success on before. Our teams were, at one point or another, really just a bunch of kind of no-names, a bunch of guys that we weren't really sure how it was going to work. And once we put them together and you put the pieces and you started building and building and building, that's when success started to happen. And even once we got successful in, let's say, the Tigers making it to the series and the Red Wings obviously winning Stanley Cups, all of those things that happened, I wouldn't say that there was necessarily a singular pillar of greatness on those teams. I think you take a lot of those players out individually and they're just good players. I mean, you've heard Darren McCarty say it before, right? A lot of those guys on that Red Wings team, they just knew their role and they just understood, hey, this is what I was brought here to do and that's what I'm going to do and it's just going to all work together. Now, yes, was Steve Eiserman one of the greatest hockey players? Yeah, absolutely. But we still don't really talk much about Igor Larionov. We don't really talk much anymore about, you know, Sergei Fedorov's name's been brought up, but we don't talk about him as often. So I think when we're referencing the success that our city's had, I don't think it's ever really been based on a singular superstar. I think it's been built on the fact that a group of guys have all come together and said, you know what? We're bought into this process and we're bought into what can happen. And we're just going to come out here and do our job. Now, Blake, would you agree? I would agree, but I, I, the only, just to play devil's advocate to your point. I love it. Let's go. Sports have changed in the fact that I think hockey is the one sport that you don't need like a complete superstar, but uh, like in football, you need the superstar quarterback. In baseball, you need the the pitcher that everybody knows and everyone fears. At least one, if not two of those guys. Mm-hmm. In basketball, you need that number one bona fide scorer. So, like, and I, I, would think say, it, I think things have changed a little bit. I think in that sense it has. And to answer your question, Mr. P, no, we don't have that yet. Is Cade Cunningham going to be that for the Lions? I'm very optimistic that he, or for the Pistons, I'm very optimistic that he will be. For the Lions, who's going to fill that role? Luckily, that's still on the table. And you're right. You do need a quarterback that can manage the game and manage, but we don't know what will happen. We can't foresee the future. But Aiden Hutchinson could potentially be that potential lightning rod that you need on a team. And I think, to your point, Blake, you're right. Teams are different in the sense that we need 
that one figure that we can look to and say, this is who this team is. And this team is embodied in this singular person on the field. And I think it can be a lot of different people in a lot of different roles. And in some ways it is the quarterback. In some ways it is the pitcher. But it's also, in a lot of ways, Miguel Cabrera for the Tigers. And maybe if it's not going to be a pitcher right now, it can at least be him. Or it can at least be, for now, with the Lions, until we see exactly what happens and pans out, if that hype continues to be built around Aiden Hutchinson. I mean, you could argue to this day still that Miguel Cabrera, name, face, image, everything, is more recognizable than... Shohei Otani. I would agree. Like more people would know see who that, that name, is. look at that face and know who he is. Yeah, I would agree with you. And I think when you talk about what's recognizable, I think that's kind of what builds us up to say this is the figure that we're looking to when we're looking for and looking at what's what's going to be successful. Do you think that on this Lions team, Hutchinson is the most recognizable player on a national scale. A hundred percent. Isn't that kind of sad? I mean, I either either is it sad or is it just where we are? I mean, yeah, it's not what we'd like to have. I mean, it's either him or Jared Goff, right? Right. And it's definitely not Jared Goff. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I feel like love people, you, buddy. Love I think you, Jared. people know who Jared Goff is. Right. They just forget that he plays for the Lions. Exactly. I think that's a Lion problem, not a Jared Goff problem. No, I think, right, exactly. He came here and he sort of got lost in the fray of, oh, you're on the Lions now. Like, we kind of going to forget about yeah. you until you're back on hard knocks. And here's the funny thing, right? On hard knocks, really only the center of the episode, maybe once for like a 10 second. Yeah, they, sec- he was like in the front. For like a 10 during, second span. Uh, Hutchinson singing and like, yeah. and he's he was, sitting up front. And he was in the front for all the meetings and they yeah. were just kind of zoomed in on his face for a while. But other than that, I mean, you really could say that that whole first episode was, hey, let's keep riding the cash cow, which right now for your Detroit Lions is Aiden Hutchinson. Like it or not, that's just where it is. He is the face. And Jamal Williams. And Jamal Williams who is an incredible, incredible asset to this team. And I think that's the kind of stuff that we aren't seeing as much that I love seeing more of in Hard Knocks, knowing that if you're deep into it, you know that Jamal Williams is more than just that guy who's you know wacky and plays catch with fans before games. He is that passionate of a guy, and you also need that guy on your team. It was crazy. I was talking about this with Ken Brown earlier in the week after the episode aired. Think about, go back to that episode. They didn't, like, feature one wide receiver. Nope. You know how weird it is? In the NFL, Mm -hmm. wide receivers are the divas. Oh, yeah. And it was like there isn't a wide receiver on the team. Not not one that we really care about yet. It's crazy. It's very much a toss-up. I mean, who, you know, who's going to break through? Who's going to be that star? And it's still... Still waiting to be seen. We have no idea. But, Mr. P, as always, much appreciated having you call in. Sports Wrap, the Friday edition, 800-859-0957. You can call or text. It's all out there for you. Alavila, your thoughts? Too late, too soon, right on time? And your Detroit Lions. Are we ready to be as excited as we are? That's coming up next on Sports Wrap.
Back to Sports Wrap on WJR. Here's Matt. What a perfect time for you to be joining us. Halftime of the first preseason game with your Detroit Lions and the Atlanta Falcons. Always, always enjoyable. Taking a nice little, nice little lead into the half. I say tie into the half, I should say, but they were winning. And then they started to blow it. But listen, if anybody, as Lions fans, if we are invested in this, I'm trying to break the cycle, Lions fans. We cannot do the best to not get overly invested. And I know it's hard with Hard Knocks because Hard Knocks is serving up some incredible, incredible fuel. And they're putting the Kool-Aid in that nice, big, tall, icy glass for you when they get stuff like Jamal Williams out there talking. When we turn, look across the field and see how tired they are. That's to give you more effort. Be like, I'm going to beat this. I'm going to get fundamentally strong. Everybody's great when they're not tired. The champions is when they're tired. That's when the real champions come out. That's when that real dog come out. Because if you go like a puppy, stay on the porch and let the big dogs eat. Let them on the field. Have some heart. I get emotional about this. I'm about to cry because I care about y'all. Last year wasn't it. Last year got me angry, pissed for this year. I'm trying to be better for y'all. Chills. Find me a brick wall. I'm ready to run right through it. And that's essentially what Hard Knocks is for us. For us as fans, as if this town needed another reason to be fully bought into this team again. We do it to ourselves. We didn't need Hard Knocks to add to it, but they did. They're amping it up. We're hearing about Deuce Staley and Aaron Glenn going at it in practice. Yeah, AG, it started right here, baby. And Deuce, you're absolutely right. Ain't no doubt. You want something, we're going to give you something. Yeah, well, we're going to take it. We want something, we're going to take it. You don't give a We're going to take it. We're going to give you everything you want. Take here we go. Yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. That's what I'm talking about. Let's go, man. Let's go. Let's That's go. what I'm talking about. We gonna take that. Then we are gonna run it down your throat. That hurts your feelings. That hurts your feelings. No, it did. That hurts your feelings. Let's go. Tell them. We, we might as well do team. Then. Yeah. Hey, we might as well do team. Let's go, man. Compete. I'll compete them. Now talk. Now talk. Stop you the have screen. You stop the screen. Just two football dudes, still footballing. I can I uh get on in here. I thought it was corny. I think I thought it was like cheesy and just like I felt like they were kind of playing that up for the cameras. I'm sure they played it up a little bit, but I'm also sure that they're that intense. Yeah. I mean, I I'm not disagreeing with that, but it's right. like Well, no, the constant listen, and here's the other thing too we have to remember, obviously edited together, I'm sure all of that segment doesn't just happen in one breath. Yeah. They're not getting all that into each other in the 36 seconds we heard. There's, I mean, that's probably 20, 30 minutes of that, maybe less, 15, 20 minutes of them, you know, going at it in pads, just getting under each other's skin. But Lions fans, how bought in are you? Because even the head honcho himself, Dan Campbell, He knows what it's going to take. That's why they were going in pads so long and for so much time normal ahead of when the normal schedule is because he just knows what it's going to take. 
Defensively, what is the essence of what we do, man? What are the two things? Pursuit and tackle. Pursuit and tackle. Man, if you don't work on tackling, if we don't work on run after catch, making a move, man, we, what are we doing, man? Then we finally get to week eight and we've come to life because we got enough reps. But I'm, I'm telling you, honestly, I'm doing this because it actually does help you with injury. If we do it the right way, and we're not going to do it every day. But I got a plan, I swear to you. I, I believe him. And yes, tackling, big deal. And if you were watching Hard Knocks and you were watching some of those one-on-one tackling drills, we don't know how to tackle. And some of this preseason, yeah. Also true. I would go as far <laughs> as to say this, blanket statement, the NFL in general doesn't know how to tackle anymore. There is no more tackling like we used to tackle when you'd play football. There is no wrap up and drive. There is, I'm going to leave my feet and try and propel myself into you so hard that you fall over. And hopefully I grab some cloth on the way down. And I get it. It's the way the game's kind of gotten. But if Dan Campbell is really going to talk about tackling, I hope we really start to see some actual tackling. Like, let's start getting hats to the ball Let's start getting some things going and actually making some plays because they have struggled. And I'm glad that he sees that as a point of emphasis, but he's also realistic. He's understanding of what really has to happen and realizes that all the hoopla about hard knocks is not the real world he's living in. We value wins and we're looking to win. That's, that's what matters. Out of all this other stuff, all the, the smoke and mirrors, the clouds, the, the freaking, it's, uh, we're, we're, we're trying to focus on winning. We've got to find a way to win because um, it's all for naught. So this whole beautiful bubble and all these things, man, uh, you know, you lose your first three games or something, and all of a sudden I'm getting run out of town, and that's the reality. And these, and these players uh, don't look as good. So we've got to find a way to win. That's what camp's about, and uh, we've got to be ready to go. Boom. Nailed it. Was he listening to sports rap a couple weeks ago? He should have been, and I think he might be. He's probably a closet sports rap listener and just didn't want to say it. Because we said that. Like, if he loses, like, three games right off the bat, now he's corny. Yeah, listen, I didn't want to bring that up myself, but you're right. He probably does. He has to. I mean, look, it's the only good sports show in town. (laughs) And honestly, he's not wrong because he's seen how fast – this city will not only support you, but then turn on you. And it's not turn on you in the nasty way of, you know, run you out of town. It's just going to start to turn into the same old Lions talk. And that'll come all the way back around. And that'll turn into, okay, you will see the paper bags on the heads. I mean, you can run this playbook until the cows come home because it's happened so much now he wants to talk about winning his first three games yeah let's look at it eagles okay could be a pretty good opportunity to get a win there the commanders let's be honest we should handle that and then the vikings on the road at the vikings now you easily can come out of that two and one in those first three games. I don't see the likelihood of 0-3, but Lions fans, let's say you come out of that 1-2. Are we hitting the panic button? Or 
does it matter who that one, who those two losses were to? If it's to the Vikings, do you just kind of chalk it up to, you know what? The Vikings are a pretty good team. Because you're going to lose, in my scenario, to either the Eagles or the Commanders. And now comes the discussion of which is the worst loss. Let's say you beat the Eagles and then you drop the Commanders and the, and the Vikings. I don't know that I'm happy with that. Because then I start to get into that pattern of worry that, oh, here we go. We lost a game we shouldn't have to the Commanders. And now we're going to, oh, we dropped it to the Vikings. Oh, man, it's, it's not going great. And there it starts to roll. Blake, what are your thoughts on that first three-game scenario? So they went, like, down to the wire with the Eagles last year, if I remember correctly. They did. They did. It was a very close game. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the Eagles should be a good team this year. They upgraded at receiver. Yeah. They should be a pretty solid team. The Commanders are starting Carson Wentz. So you better not lose to Car. Well, I mean, whatever. Yeah. You better not lose to Carson Wentz. You would think. I think that the the Vikings are actually going to be good this year. I think that's something that people aren't considering because they had. I mean, they had a coaching staff change, and I'm just like I think Justin Jefferson is a top five receiver in the NFL, top ten. Yes, he's incredible, mm-hmm. and he I he's even like already talking like this new offense we're running. I'm about to ball out. Oh, yes. (laughs) So. I know. And I think that's the other worry that a lot of people have somewhat overlooked when we talk about the NFC North. And you're looking at it like, oh, wow, yeah, I mean, this should be no problem. You know, all we got to do is compete against the the Packers because we know the Bears. Obviously, we know the Bears. Bears are. Trouble. Big time trouble. Justin Fields not saying nice things about his receivers. Roquan Smith. I want out. <laughs> also, not a good look if you're the Chicago Bears. So we can at least chalk it up to we're better than the Bears, which is cool. But I think that that race for one, two, three after that is a lot tighter than some fans have said. The Vikings will be a team that you cannot just look by. And to get them that early in the season. The Vikings have players. Oh, yeah. Like Dalvin Cook. Mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins back on the COVID list, but you Kirk know. Cousins, yeah, Justin Jefferson, they got good D linemen. Like they're a solid team. I would agree. I mean, would you? Are you okay with one and two? I am, and I'm not hitting the panic button, regardless of. I mean, that's a one winner is a lot earlier. One and two is a lot better than last season. One and two <laughs> in the first three games. You're right, and that's exactly why. It's progress in the right direction. Now, of course, we can look at it and we can get into the nitty-gritty of how you lose. Did you lose? Did you go down fighting? I will tell you this. I don't ever think this team will not go down fighting. I'm pretty sure and confident that Dan Campbell has changed the culture there enough to the point where they are giving it everything they have until the last whistle. I don't think we have to worry about that. That's just effort. But... If we talk about losing the way they've lost before and maybe having it be that we went off sides at a very pivotal moment, well, that sounds like the same old Lions. Or we dropped a very easy catch at a very pivotal moment. Well, okay, that sounds normal too. 
So it's going to have to be that if they're going to lose, they're just going to have to get beaten by the other team that's on the other side of the field. And if they do that and they put out the best effort that they are going to be able to do, which will be maximum effort, I am confident of that. They do that, and like we said, first three games, I'd rather be one and two there than have it end the way it ended last year. You at least have something to look at and fix sooner. So we're going to find out. We're going to find out. There's a lot that could go on, might not. What do you think, though? 800-859-0957 is the phone number. It's Sports Wrap on WJR. Now back to more Sports Wrap. Once again, Matt Lorenek. Thank you for wrapping your week with us. Sports Wrap 760 WJR 800-859-0957 is the phone number. Your Detroit Lions currently in a 17-17 tie early in that third quarter. First preseason game. We've had that out on the table for you. Alavila gone from the Detroit Tigers too soon, right on time. That's right, golf clap. Should have happened sooner. It happened, though. And as we talked to Trevor Huth from the Bless You Boys blog on SB Nation, you know, we let him oversee the trade deadline. And if Chris Illich, if we were going to get him out of there, we probably should have thought better of that. Not something you want to do if you're going to end up getting rid of said GM. So if any of that tickles your fancy, give us a call, 800-859-0957. It's been rumored that the Michigan and Michigan State game this season will be played at night. Now, this goes back on what was talked about a long time ago when Dave Brandon was the athletic director at Michigan. And when there was sort of this agreement between Michigan and Michigan State ADs saying, you know what, an 8 o'clock game for this game, that's a little late. That gives both fan bases a lot of time to get out there and tailgate. It gives them a lot of time to get mad with the other fan base. Do we really want to give them another reason to have that kind of energy all day long. Now, I am a fan of the night game in the big house. I'm biased, though. Am I a fan of it against Michigan State? I'll be honest. That is normally a nervous day of tailgating, just anticipating that game coming and that game finally starting. And if you've talked to or heard from college coaches who have been asked the question about how they feel about night games, most honestly don't like it. It messes up everything they feel comfortable with in terms of schedule. It pushes the entire process back for those teams. And these teams Essentially, you know, Friday, all day Friday, all day Saturday, it is a well-oiled machine as to what happens if the game's at noon, where we go, when we eat, when we're back in the hotel room, when we get on the buses. Now you got to move all that back because you're not starting. Everything's about six, seven hours later. Do you care? Does it matter? 
Michigan State fan base wasn't happy that we played at noon last year. I don't know how they're going to feel if we got to play late o'clock at 8. That's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. What's your favorite kickoff time? <sighs> 3.30. I agree. I'm a 3.30 guy. The old school guys love the noon kick. I will say this. Steve I, Courtney loves a uh, noon kick. I know. <laughs> I know. He is a huge fan of the noon kick. I will say I love noon for Michigan OSU. Has to be noon. That game has to be noon. Always is. Always has been. But I do like it 3.30. It's enough time where you don't got to get up crazy, crazy early. Some good, solid tailgating before. And then, honestly, by the time it's over, the nice thing is about that one, by the time you're getting home, that 8 o'clock game is getting ready to start. Yeah. And you just plop your butt on the couch. Catch the end of the Iron Bowl. Yeah, and you're just locked in for the rest of the evening. Yeah. It's 3.30 games, I will say this, they're like a good appetizer for bed because they get you going. You know, you see a great game, you get home, and then you're You're not a Pac-12 after dark guy, I take it? Not right now, no. Uh, Once the Big Ten starts playing those guys – what will be interesting when they play at night out there. When they play Michigan USC oh, yeah. at night. At like nine thirty. At like, yeah, nine thirty their time, like midnight our time. Let's talk about a wild ride of tailgating yeah. that'll be. Yeah. Uh I think that I like what Fox is doing with the big noon kickoff. Mm-hmm. Like making it a point to like have big games at noon because it kind of like spreads out your day um but i mean i'm not opposed to a night game ever no because i'm not going (laughs) i'm like i understand if you're going why you wouldn't like it yeah but i'm watching at home and if i can see the big house with those lights Mm -hmm. and in all maze that lights up beautifully at night we got to get you into that big house i'm gonna take you we're going at some point Okay. You're coming with one time. You got you to gotta be in it because when you're in I've it, been to games. Like, I know. Don't get me wrong. But you got to get – have you been to a night game? No. Oh, we got to get you in there. I'm not going to say no. I know you're not going <laughs> to say no. But and – that's, and that's part of it, right? The anticipation, the excitement, just the love of it. And as a fan like that, that's what's always – I love them. They're great. Night games are great. But, man, the anticipation leading up to it is – tough it's tough yeah and it's not only tough for the fans obviously it's the least of our concern i mean we're the last person they care about when they do this they care about the dollar well and that's the thing that's changed though is like because you talked about dave brandon and when he was the ad Mm -hmm. the teams don't have the control that they used to with the new tv rights no not at all so back then they could say no we're not playing a night game yeah with the new TV deal with Fox, they can't do that. Right. It's basically now, like you said, TV comes to the team and said, this is when you're playing. This is when you're playing, yes. And so, that I mean, and that alone should tell everybody, if you didn't know that that was the case, that's how it goes. So that alone should be the reason to understand why the Big Ten is more concerned about the media money that's out there with bringing those two teams from the West Coast in, that's why. Because they know that the TV deals will be insane. And now you can have Big Ten football on from noon until midnight. Yeah. Literally 12 hours a day. Correct. 
the entire Saturday. Sounds like a great Saturday. It does. It sounds like an amazing Saturday. I mean, it's it's phenomenal to think. You know, you could be playing a noon game in California. You could be playing a noon kick here. You could have a three thirty, a, a night game here, a night game there. You I mean, gotta get you into some Pac twelve after dark, though. I might have to get into it. Maybe better Hawaii under. Sure. When they're playing on the island, it's Why fun. Not? It's I a bet great it is. Time. I bet it is. It sounds intriguing. <laughs> You're watching it on Facebook Live because that's where they're. T- that's their what games I mean. They're streaming it on yeah, exactly. <laughs> Some grad students up there with an iPhone, and that's how we're watching Hawaii play at midnight. Yeah, against New Mexico State. That sounds amazing. I'm and sure I'm watching. I know you are. It's because you're a degenerate gambler. <laughs> <laughs> it's understandable Can why you're I, watching. I have a random college football thing. Let's that hit it. I was watching the Lions preseason game in here. Yeah. And Felipe Franks ran a <laughs> go route, <laughs> and I was just like, Can we hit him with it? I no, uh, no, he's he's playing for Atlanta, but he's they, playing they he's playing him. receiver. I know he played at Florida. He played quarterback at Florida for twelve years. You can't change my mind. I know, <laughs> I know. That's how much college football I watch. I just mean, for the listeners, listen, that's just about. <laughs> I can't even remember his name right now, but their Ohio State. Remember their basketball player who I feel like played basketball for twelve seasons. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know who you're talking about. Little guy, can't remember his name. Yes. He's probably not important. He played at Ohio State. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. No, Felipe Franks is a receiver apparently in the NFL. Always good. <laughs> <laughs> Always good times when that happens. <laughs> Nothing like getting picked off, though, like that just right there. It's classic Lions. But, hey, it's preseason. Football's back. If that's If there's anything to take away from all this, football is back, and that's what we should be excited for. Football's back. We got two weeks until week zero of college football. You're not wrong. Two weeks until high school football kicks off. And we will be premiering for college and the professionals a little segment we're going to call Blake's Bets. We're going to take our degenerate gambling producer, and he is going to give us the lowdown on what we should be betting on. That'll be coming up next week on Sports Wrap. Thank you for spending your Friday with me. We'll talk to you next week.